In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I got an amazing show for you today with an amazing individual, one Mrs. Tess Brzezinski. She's an entrepreneur, a scientist, an R&D director. She's exploring a lot of possibilities, one of which is using psilocybin to treat mental health disorders. Another is understanding how fungi can be used to restore soil health at polluted sites. She started a few different companies and we're going to get into how she got to be involved in this area, what she's excited about, where you can find her. But before I get too deep into this introduction, let me just hand it off to her. Mrs. Mrs. Tess Brzezinski, how are you? And did I leave anything out that you wanted to add to that particular beginning? Hi, thank you um, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I think anything that you may have left out, we will cover. (laughs) So uh, we won't worry about that. But um, no, I think that was a great introduction thus far. And yeah, mushrooms are my life. And um, I have just a deep rooted passion um, for all things fungi. So I'm excited to, yeah, for this talk. It's going to be great. It is. It's going to be fun. I've, I have always found that a great place to start is at the beginning. And sometimes the beginning is a warm, heartfelt story about a young woman or a young girl and her grandfather moving through the fields looking for mushrooms. Does that story sound familiar to you? I think it does. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like um, the idea of starting from a beginning because we all have a story, you know, we all started somewhere and we are writing our story continuously as we go through life, as we grow, as we change. And um, the beginning is important. And I did, you know, um, tread through the northern, the uh, forest of northern Michigan with my Polish grandfather. Um, what a wonderful, goofy guy, a silly guy, um, nonetheless. Uh, wonderful, wonderful person. And that's kind of where I got my initial, like, uh, uh, 
view of mushrooms like oh we can forage mushrooms we can eat mushrooms um you know that's something that not a lot of children experience and um, not only you know just in the kitchen but um in academia as well so that i kind of got you know my eyes on mushrooms from a young age um through culinary uh, the culinary um side of things with my grandfather and um i think you know nature is such a beautiful place to be especially at a young age when you're so vulnerable and your brain's like a little sponge with the consistency of a mushroom <laughs> and you're just like learning and um to be within nature and just like feel the interconnectedness of everything is so important and i owe a lot of that um uh knowledge and connection to nature for my mother um she's a woman of nature um a beautiful arabic woman who taught us the art of foraging as well you know grape leaves and herbs and we were always um you know outside foraging and she kind of just has that beautiful spiritual side to her and taught my sisters and i from an early age um to live in harmony uh, with the environment around you and the complexity, but also the simplicity of it as well. And I just, yeah, <laughs> that kind yeah. of, you know, the spiritual side of things, you know, came from my mother and I'm, it's just as important. So that's kind of the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a beautiful beginning. I, I, I like the way you've intertwined complexity with, you know, and simplicity in a way like there's, there's something that's a great way to describe nature because when you look at it, it just seems so simplistically beautiful. But then as you begin to really pull back the curtain, you realize how many moving parts there are in there. And it's there's something beautiful in the complexity as well. And yeah, I just wanted people to understand where you came from, because I, I, I you know, you have two you have two degrees and you've started your own company. And I think for people that are beginning their own journey who may be interested, whether it's in mushrooms, or foraging or nature, I think it's important for them to understand where someone comes from. They come from hum sometimes the, the smartest, most creative people come from the most humble beginnings. And I think that that's a very important part for people to to understand when they're listening to something like that. What what was it that made you wanted to go to school and learn more about it? That's a good question, because that didn't come until later, um, but it's all intertwined. Mm -hmm. So I had my first psychedelic experience, my first experience with um, psilocybin in my early teens. And that just kind of like, whoosh, like opened up self-love in the world. And I was just like, wow, these are fascinating, fascinating organisms. Like they have taught me so much. What else is out there about them? And why haven't I even learned anything about them in academia aside from like, you know, there's that phobia side of things. And like we spend months learning about bacteria and other microorganisms but like a week on fungi like they are so understudied so overlooked why is this so when um you know i began furthering my um academic career at the university level i was just like these professors can't even answer some of my questions like this is not okay so i just kind of decided to take it upon myself to just like dive deeper and I found the mycology community, um, 
such a specific niche of wonderful, amazing, bizarre out there people that I just <laughs> totally um, resonate with. So it was just like, oh, my people. So I was studying microbiology and it was just like all like pre-med students. I'm like, I don't fit in here. Um, I found the cool, bizarre mycology community. I'm like, this is radical. I, you know, you can, you know, everyone's a scientist. You don't have to technically be like within academia. So kind of just like doing my own research, but then discovering the environmental science department where there's like, okay, geology, like it's a mix of geology and biology. Like I can, I can groove with this because um, geology people are, are, you know, pretty goofy too. So I'm like, okay, I kind of found that happy medium within, um, within college and began doing some undergrad studies on microremediation. Well, just learning about bioremediation at first, I was studying um, soils. I was in a couple different um, soil science classes. And I'm just like, soil is life. Like it gives us life. It's something that we should care deeply about and take care of. And there's so much fungi dwelling in the soil and bioremediation is awesome. And, you know, let me kind of look deeper into this, look at, you know, the role fungi play within the environment. And it kind of just like went off from there. I just became totally fascinated and um, engulfed in it. And that, that was like taking up most of my time. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can make this a thing. So I'm not just like bunkered down <laughs> alone, just studying fungi by myself. Like, let me, you know, open this up to the community and be able to engage with others about this and, you know, see what happens. And that's kind of how the fungi freights came about. So it's, a, it's awesome. It, it is a lot. It is a lot. It's it's sometimes it's difficult to try to condense your life into like a paragraph or something like that, especially when you have accomplished a lot. And I think that you have, Tess. I, I I'm I'm stoked to talk to you, and I I want people to to understand a little bit about you. That's why I was asking some of the tougher questions right there, but maybe you can explain to people what micromediation is or soil mediation is so that they have an understanding. Absolutely. Um, so bioremediation is just utilizing um, like biota to um, break down specific pollutants and contaminants within the soil. And this happens um, naturally, like things are breaking down on a day-to-day -day basis. It just kind of could, you know, be of longer duration. Um, if you introduce specific fungi that have this, um, usually it's saprophytes. Um, a saprobe has an extracellular enzyme system that can break down lignin so that they're, you know, they, they feed off of um, decay pretty much. So they break down dead organic matter and give it a new life, which is just like so cool to think about with this enzyme system because it breaks down lignin lignin um makes up uh, woody you know it's the component that makes up woody trees and shrubs um and its molecular structure is um an aromatic ring structure and it's very similar to hydrocarbons so that is so cool to me that um natural natural component lignin that has been you know, on the earth for, you know, almost the beginning of time, um, you know, the mushrooms are very familiar with it and have been breaking it down forever. And 
we have hydrocarbons, um, you know, petroleum-based products that have this very similar molecular structure that the mushrooms are like, oh, cool. Like my enzymes have been doing this for a very long time. Uh, no problem. You know, let's, let's get after it. So um, yeah, there's different strains, um, different species of uh, fungi that uh, are responsible for this and introducing them into those kind of contaminated or polluted sites can help speed up that process naturally in, in situ. So that's really cool. Um, a lot of the current remediation that takes place with soil is usually, um, you know, very costly, inefficient, and usually it's like moving the soil from one place to another. So you're kind of just moving around contamination or, you know, they still incinerate it, which is kind of crazy to me because you're just like, you know, with con combustion, you're just like changing the chemical, like you're, it's a chemical uh, reaction. So then, you know, the pollutants are just like volatizing and becoming an air pollutant. So it's yeah, just like, okay, <laughs> we can do better than this. It's 2023. Let's go. It blows my mind to think that maybe the answers for, for pollution, maybe the answers for our environment have been with us this whole time and we've just been ignoring them. Like when you think about the way in which mushrooms can heal the soil or bring new life to old shrubs or move around energy from root structure to root structure, it seems like the answers have always been with us. We've just failed to notice them. And I wanted to ask you this. There seems to be an, an interesting parallel with the way in which mushrooms move around nutrients from root structure to root structure, at least some mushrooms, and the way mushrooms interact with us. You know, it, when we talk about being born again and, and having new life, it almost seems that the psilocybin mushrooms give you a new lease on life. And I'm using that very loosely. Like it, it allows you to think a little bit differently. It almost allows, it almost allows for the, the uh, discoupling of memory from perception. And when I think of like the mushrooms in the ground, like they're, they're moving new energy to new root structures and stuff like that. And I know there's different species, but what do you think are the similarities and maybe some differences with the way in which mushrooms move nutrients from, from root structure to root structure and the way that mushrooms work with us human beings? Is there a similar, something similar in the relationship between humans and mushrooms and trees and mushrooms or, or shrubs and mushrooms? I think you could look at it that way. You know, there is a synergy there. Um, metaphorically, you know, absolutely. Mushrooms are very synergistic and the way, you know, they work within the, in the environment is it can be very similar to how they work within us. You know, we are just like a mini ecosystem. We were, you know, we are nature. So when we talked about earlier, the complexity and, you know, simplicity, uh, we are very complex creatures, but we're also very simple simplistic as well. So, um, and you know, the answers are all there. The answers have always been within us, has, have always been within nature. It's just about shifting your focus sometimes and like seeing it. And I think mushrooms, you know, psilocybe specifically, you know, psilocybin when we ingest it helps, um, you know, to open, you know, it's just like a tool or a teacher, you know, that's yeah. really just opening you up to all the answers that are there within you that you already have. Oh, it's a beautiful experience, but um, yeah. So it's just kind of showing you what's, what's 
just right there within you. Um, and, you know, within this, in the environment, I don't want to get too off topic and too like, <laughs> oh, like spiritual, we'll, we'll bring it back down to earth, so to speak, um, within the soil, within the soil web, you know, fun, fungi is ubiquitous. So um, the how it really, um, how they're very beneficial um, to trees and plants. Um, they have like a symbiotic relationship with about 90% of all trees and plants and it's, it's the mycelium. So it's the vegetative structure that we don't really see with um, our eye. It's underground and it's like this beautiful interconnected um, system that is very tenacious. It's, it's like so filamentous and like kind of stringy and uh, delicate, but the tenacity of it is spectacular and it can um, penetrate deeper into uh, the ground uh, to, to the uh, calcareous bedrock even. So it's bringing up um, minerals and different nutrients from the bedrock that uh, the, the tree roots or the plant roots um, can't get to. So there's this really cool exchange um, of nutrients, of minerals, you know, to the plant from the fungi. And, and they also help tremendously with transporting water. And then in exchange, you know, the plants can give uh, the fungi, you know, uh, different kinds of sugars and carbohydrates and whatnot. So it's a cool relationship. And and not all fungi um, are this nice, yeah, you know. Right. So <laughs> just want to make that known. There's many, many different relationships going on. So they're not all very uh, center, you know, symbiotic like that. Yeah, there's it's okay. <laughs> every year you every year you end up reading about people that go foraging and maybe pick the wrong kind and you know maybe they haven't been educated in it or maybe they haven't done their research or maybe they're just you know not very responsible but you know at least once a year you'll read a story about someone picking some mushrooms and eating them and dying because they haven't done in their research so i think it's important that people understand that while there are tons of mushrooms that are really beneficial for not only the planet we live on, but for ourselves, there's also some that are pretty dangerous, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, you know, there aren't as many um, poisonous mushrooms are as, you know, there are, are that aren't, um, but it is a tr real thing. You know, um, mushrooms have a way of, you know, being deceptive too. There's a lot of lookalikes. So if you are going to um, take up foraging, I would, you know, recommend getting really good guides, um, going with a group, going with somebody that is educated um, on the species and can, you know, teach you because it's, yeah, it can be sketchy for sure. So I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the first companies, I think this may have been one of the first companies you started. It's the freight company about how you've taken these containers and you've used them, your love for mushrooms, and you've worked, put them together to help build a better community. Can you tell people about that? Sure. So it did start off as a community, or I'm sorry, a company just for my own naivety, because like I was pretty naive and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to start like this business and, you know, didn't even have a business plan or anything. I was just like, I want to, you know, bring this to the community. And it's, I don't like it to think of it as a business anymore because it's not. I've dropped that for, for this, um, for the fungi freight specifically. It's just a community um, education hub. 
And I acquired seven vacant lots in um, East Pole Town. It's the inner city of Detroit. Seven consecutive lots. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of vacancy within Detroit. But it's uh, it's a beautiful thing, actually, because um, it's like one of the only like cities that I've seen natural restoration take place because of their because so much vacancy um so it's allowed these um empty areas to kind of rewild and um with that it expands biodiversity and um opens up a lot of green space within these like concrete jungles so it's um it's really cool and that's kind of the idea that i have with um this property and um, to kind of allow natural restoration to take place, increase that biodiversity, allow a um, safe green space for the community to learn more about mycology. And I had the thought of using a freight container. Um, kind of just came to me like in that weird slumber of sleep. I was just like, oh, fungi freights, like, <laughs> cool. And, um, you know, they're, they're super sustainable and cost effective modular. So it allowed me to like have a, a starting point and grow, you know, with it. So it's, it's been, it's been quite the adventure. A lot of it's been DIY and, you know, having a lot of talented people around me has helped tremendously. And I've learned a lot. It's, it's coming along and the community is uh, reacting really well to it. And uh, I have a few neighbors that are they call it their sanctuary and I just it's so it's so exciting to have positive feedback and um learn learn from the community as well it's it's such a awesome community and doing a lot of cool stuff there together prior in our conversation you had told me in the audience that you know mushrooms have their own way of revitalizing the soil and here you are starting a sort of community endeavor and revitalizing these vacant lots. It's almost like it's the same process. It's almost like you're the, the mushroom, you know, you're following the same path as the mushroom makes the soil better. Here you are making the, restoring the community a little bit. Maybe you can give us the rundown of like, let's say that a class of, I don't know, fifth graders comes to this community and like, what, what do you teach them there? What goes on if you had a class there? Like what people, are you teaching a class in there? Are they learning what the soil's about? Are they learning remediation? Like what are they learning when they go to your sanctuary there? Yeah, we hold um, many different types of educational workshops, anywhere from, um, you know, beginner mushroom cultivation courses, like um, cultivation 101. So that is a really cool workshop that a lot of people of the community like, and all of these workshops are free to people of the community. Um, and our cultivation workshop teaches people to take kind of their backyard compost or household waste and turn it into a viable food source for mushrooms. So not only is it like recycling, um, but it's also turning, you know, waste into a food source. So, um, one of the deeper classes talks about um, fungi and food security. So, um, you know, growing your own mushrooms for food security within the community, as well as economic development. Um, we do log cultivation workshops. We teach about soil. And, you know, one of our one of our projects was actually like handing out um, soil sampling kits to the community. There's a lot of urban 
um, gardening and farming going on. And that is a wonderful thing, but you have to be sure, you know, especially in an industrial city like Detroit, you know, what's in your soil when you're growing, um, when you're growing this food, because a lot of contaminants are bioavailable, become bioavailable, and then you have a contaminated food source and you don't want that. So we, you know, we do give, um, educational, uh, classes on soil health, um, and how to test and treat your soil. Um, and, on, you know, on a backyard level, um, we hold like just also very, um, we want to make it like a very creative hub as well. So, um, we have different like events where we encourage, you know, people of the community to come out and like share their, you know, just to, you know, an outlet, you know, to share, um, what they're about to. So having a, a space that's, um, just a safe, open space for people to come and learn and congregate. That's what we're about. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I, I bet your grandfather would be proud of you for carrying on kind of the same tradition that in my, in my mind, like I see this older man with like his granddaughter holding hands, walking through the forest. And then like in my mind, I see you continuing that path and now holding the hands of all these other people coming into the community. So super awesome. I think it's a beautiful mm -hmm. story. What about, what about this new thing you're starting about this, this thing called novel Tess? Can you tell us about that? Of course. Yeah. So I'm a co-founder of Nov novel, um, an emerging psychedelic therapy um, company that we specialize in psilocybin and psilocin. So, um, you know, we are just very um, passionate about taking mental, your, you know, your mental health into your own hands, reducing the dependence on pharmaceuticals, um, different mental health, um, you know, the treatment that's out there right now, you know, it seems to be failing. So reducing the dependence um, and finding independence through psilocybin and yeah it's it's new and it's exciting and you know we're just you know kind of trying you know we have to be shifting gears because um unfortunately le legality is around um mm. psychedelic medicine is is a true thing unfortunately so um you know we're working with that but nonetheless have really um have a lot of hope and we think it could be a pro promising promising solution to a lot I of the mental health disorders. I agree. I, I think for the longest time, maybe, maybe since the industrial revolution that Western medicine has decided to take medicine in the realm of a coping strategy. And I don't know if people know what I mean by that, but it's like, you can hate your life. You could be depressed. You can have anxiety. You can hate your relationships and you can hate your job. But if you just take this pill, It'll give you enough to get through your day. You won't stop hating yourself. You won't stop hating your job, but you'll feel good enough to get up and continue to move down this avenue of destruction where it seems to me psilocybin or a lot of these psychedelic medicines, they force you to face the demon. They force you to face that blockage, which is causing you to be distressed, depressed, or have anxiety. And I think it's a new way to look at medicine. Instead of giving someone a patch, hey, let's go for the cure. And I, I, I realize that psychedelics are not a panacea and they may not be right for everyone. And there may be some things that it can't fix, but I do think it's a better pathway than a lot of 
Western medicine. And now, don't get me wrong. I, I am thankful that we have large pharmaceutical companies that make drugs, that make people's lives better. And I think that there's still room for both of them in there. But I do see this emerging world of psychedelic medicine as something that's going to be incredibly beneficial, especially for mental illness. I'm not familiar mm -hmm. with the legality in Michigan. I know that in Colorado, they've decriminalized it in Oregon and parts of California. Here in Hawaii, it's kind of on the ballot. But what is the legality where you're at? Yeah, so um, it's still illegal here in Michigan. Um, we have decriminalized. Um, we have decriminalized most entheogenic plants and fungi in Ann Arbor, Detroit, and um, Hazel Park. So you know, it's it's starting. You know, it, yeah. we do see um, a positive change happening. Um, in Colorado and Oregon, it's actually legal. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see the next steps they take. Um, what you know, it's what it's going to look like for psychedelics in these states. And we've been keeping an eye on that. And you know, keeping in the loop is very important. I think assisted therapy, along with um, the use of psychedelics, is very important. Very important to realize set and setting. Like you were saying, a lot of Western medicine is just uh, masking. The yeah. problem, not really getting to the root cause. Um, and it's really important to acknowledge the indigenous use of these medicines, because that's where, you know, it is rooted. You know, it's rooted in a long history of indigenous use. And we have to honor that and remember that because they are the indigenous peoples are the um, the keepers of this knowledge. And, you know, instead of reinventing this wheel and like, you know, just being like, oh, this is a psychedelic renaissance. It's it's really not. We they, you know, we need, we need to learn, you know, from the medicine people that have so much history within this and not kind of like rape them of that knowledge. Um, it's, it's very important to honor that. When you uh, see it in that light, I think it will affect you differently as well. It's just really cool to see, you know, the different people coming into the light of psychedelics. There's been a huge stigma around it. Um, I mean, the counterculture, you know, it was there for a minute, but then it got twisted and the war on drugs just screwed everything up. And um, it's really cool to see um, people opening up to these types of medicines in a new way. Like my mom is just all about it. And it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was always like the weird, like, uh, you know, one, the black sheep of the family when it comes to this kind of stuff. And she was kind of worried about me at different times in my life. Now she's like, Oh, where are my mushrooms? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's awesome. And I, I think it speaks volumes of the people that are kind of coming together. A lot of people I think a lot of people share similar characteristics to that idea of the black sheep in the family and that idea of, you know, seeming lost, you know, or maybe people looking at you as if you are at risk or something like mm -hmm. that. But it, it harkens back to the quote of not all I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something along the lines. Not all of, who wander are lost. Oh, Tess. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're on the same. I like I'm to right read there with you. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a good one. And and you know, I think becoming lost is actually okay. You know, you kind of yes. have to lose yourself to find yourself and you know, so to speak, not to sound cheesy or anything, but like, you know, oh, wow. to become lost, to stir up the muck, you know, to be uncomfortable. That's what this is all mm. about. To um 
be vulnerable and, you know, be uncomfortable for a minute. I, I like yeah. using this like analogy of um, the lobster, like how lobsters like shed and grow. Um, so like for, for a lobster to, to grow, it has to shed its shell. And, you know, when it does this, it's in a very, very vulnerable um, space mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's just like completely naked and yeah. available to like all these different um, uh, predators. So um, it takes some time for it to, to sit within that space to, to regrow its, its new shell, but that shell is uh, stronger and it fits better and it just um, allows it to live, uh, you know, to continue living uh, and in a prosperous way. So, you know, to find yourself in a vulnerable, scary space um, is okay and it's temporary and sometimes it's very necessary. Um, to grow. Yeah. And that's what we're all doing here. What we're here for, for, you know, we're never done growing. There's a lot to discover. Yeah. That's a great one. I have, I have yet to hear the, the shedding of the shell of the lobster. I've, I have, um, I'm a huge fan of the silkworm spins its web and gets yeah. caught in it. So too, do we spin our web and get caught in it. And the idea of the cocoon and the idea of the snake shedding its skin and it begins at its mouth and it has to find a really rough patch of dirt to like wiggle around and break out of the old skin. And it too is very vulnerable for birds and predators. And, you know, even in birth too, I think we can see a similar understanding of, of, of that. You know, there's a real chance in childbirth that a child dies and that, like, that's why it's a miracle. And, you know, I think in some ways, that represents all of us. Like we are being reborn all the time. And I think that if you can understand that, it does a few things for you. It, it, on some level, if you're willing to face that, that idea that you're dying and being reborn, it does maybe help you cope with end of life. It can be a, an end of life coping strategy. And it can help you have a little bit of empathy for other people if you thoroughly understand that everyone you see is going through a battle that you know nothing about. They're shedding their skin. And if you can understand that, I think it it, it does help the world there. And, and I know that sounds gargantuan, but I think, I think there's a lot of truth to it. One of the issues that I've noticed in this world of legality and psychedelics and the reemergence of them is – there's like this push and pull between like clinical trials and big pharma coming in and the Maria Sabinas that are, that kind of got us going there. But do you see this tension between big pharma and the, the at-home practitioners or what do you think about that relationship that's kind of making its way into this world these days? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. You it know, is. it's a dichotomy that I struggle with um, on a day to day basis, especially getting into, you know, this this industry, because I have such a respect for, you know, these organisms like at, you know, for what they are yeah. and for their healing purposes and for their history. Um, so um how I look at it with big pharma, that's just, you know, that they're always going to try to come in and get their hands on it. And um, that's why I think it's very important to decriminalize along with legalize legalizing because people should not be penalized for say growing their own in their basement. If that's how they choose to do it um, for utilizing, you know, 
this medicine, however they choose to do so. Um, and however, there are some people that this is like a very new territory and it can be, um, it could be, you know, scary for a lot of individuals and they might feel it's, um, more fitting and safer for them to be in a professional setting. Um, having regulations around anything, especially fungi, you know, where it's being grown and how it's being processed, I think is important. Um, sure. Like Joe Schmo can grow them like in his basement, but you know, and sell them to his friends or just give them away, whatever. Um, but in, you know, a, in, in a professional practice, you know, trying to really get to the root cause of a lot of mental health disorders. I think it's important to have regulations around that because um, fungi come with a lot of weird, funky things, you know, when you're growing them. And it's important to recognize that. And, you know, and it's okay to um, be nervous about that and want to get your, um, your medicine from a legitimate source. So with, with the regulations around that, I, I'm, I can, you know, I'm all for that. Um, but I think people should have the freedom to, you know, grow and utilize freely for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a battle. I, um, I think it's staying true to, um, staying true and respectful to like the root of this medicine is very important. Hopefully that can like outweigh, um, big pharma coming in and doing what they do best. Yeah. So I have another question Tess, that I think you out of almost anybody I've ever talked to is uniquely qualified to answer this, not only because you're a cultivator, but because you have this new company called novel where you're beginning to work on mental health. And, and here is my question slash strategy that I'd love to get your opinion on. And it is this, do you think that there is a real mechanism for solving problems, not only with taking the psilocybin mushrooms, but growing them. I have learned that when attempting to grow mushrooms, you're faced with dilemmas like um, contamination. And when you begin to grow them, you you have to work around, you have to have this clean room and you have to have the right set and you have to, you know, clear away all these variables in order to get it to work. And I have found that I am able to look at my life like that. When I when I grow, sometimes like a lot of times I, I have an unsuccessful grow and it make, it forces me to go, oh, well, these got contaminated. I wonder why they got contaminated. But then that makes me look at my life and be like, wow, maybe these other people in my life are contaminating me, you know, and like you can really begin to grasp the concept of as above, so below. And I, I'm wondering, are you using or do you know of any companies that are utilizing the growing process as part of the medicinal learning process? And if so, do you think that that's applicable? That's a super interesting question. And I really like it a lot because the more I have worked with fungi, um, cultivating, um, just studying, I have learned so much about myself. Yes, They have like that resonance is there. They just bring up so many questions and, you know, they're symbolic for like unveiling the truth. A lot of the passion that I have for mycology stems stems from a deep seated desire to unveil the truth. Like not only of like this place that we are, but within myself as well. 
And that has improved so much of the way that I operate here on earth. And it's, it's truly uh, fascinating, but that's, that's an interesting concept, you know, to kind of um, bring in the aspect of cultivation and how that, you know, interplays with, with you and life and like, you know, to healing that's, I haven't really honestly have not thought about that, but I like it a lot because it's, well, I have thought about it on a personal level, just like being in the lab and just doing my thing. And I'm like, whoa, this is weird. Like, this is cool. Like I see, you know, these similarities um, with me in the mushrooms, like always, I, I think we all are like, you know, we stem from fungi you know they are ancient ancestors so yeah um, we have more fungal cells within us than we do human cells so (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) yeah that is very interesting uh concept and i'm gonna bring it back to the table and just kind of like give it some thought about how to mesh that with the patient with you know to mesh it with a therapeutic process you know i think that that could be incorporated into the methodology or it could be incorporated into the healing and it could almost be like a graduation ceremony where like someone maybe sits with someone the first time they take it they learn how to navigate the environment the psychedelic environment you know so they're not scared they have someone to integrate with but ultimately you want them to be on their own and be able to solve their own and i I just think what a nice way for someone who was holding space for someone to give them the gift that they can then cultivate and then maybe give to somebody else. It's like a real sort of learning process there that allows the individual to understand, maybe not mastery, but understand graduation. I think that's a good word for it. There's probably a better for it. But I I don't know anybody doing that test. And I think if you incorporated that into your model at Novel, I think you'd be first in class. I think that you would have something that no one else is doing but everyone would begin to incorporate that. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I'm going to have to owe that one to you, <laughs> that <laughs> tip. but I, I really do um, like that idea. And, you know, like you said, fitting it into the methodology um, and, you know, what we were talking about before um, creating that independence. So if you yes. can even grow your own medicine, you know, hallelujah, there we go. And um I think it also allows you to truly understand um, when you, when you um, have to take care of something or when you have to take care of something and you you watch that growth process, you understand it. And I think understanding is, you know, a key component, you know, understanding um, the medicine, understanding yourself, um, it helps you understand the world around you a little bit better and, you know, to lead um, a more prosperous life. So absolutely, um, you know, teaching cultivation is something I'm already passionate about, yep. um, but definitely teaching people to grow, you know, their own psilocybin containing mushrooms is, yeah, it's life changing. There's a lot of people that might not have the, you know, the space or the time and just even the interest. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. That's absolutely okay for those that are interested and would like to take on that task. It's, yeah, it's it's a beautiful experience and just enriches the whole um, experience even more. Yeah. And for like a whole psychological level, you know, a big part of helping people in psychiatry is getting leverage on them or getting them to get leverage on themselves. And if you could get into the mind of someone and say, look, I want you to grow this medicine. 
And as you're growing it, I want you to think about what problem it is. Like it, it really intertwines intention and motivation and problem solving. Because if you're going to grow something from injecting a, from a spore print or inoculating a jar, however you decide to to begin it, like that's the begin. Like imagine if I have a relationship problem, and I come to you, and we have like one, you know, or we come to your company or whoever's holding space, and you say, look. Let's talk about what it is you want to fix. Let's talk about what it is you want to solve. And then we go through maybe one sitting. And then I say, look, I think you have a grasp on this concept. But if you really want to understand it, I want you to try to grow grow it from the spores. And as you're growing it, I want you to think about what this is going to look like when it when it blooms or when it when it rises or when it fruits. And I want you to think about all the language. Like when this thing is ready to fruit. That means you're ready to solve this problem and you have done it. And if someone can take like four weeks, it's almost like a meditation. Like you go in, you, you grow it. And that four weeks of growing it and growing your intention, like that's the leverage you need to solve that problem. And that may be the difference between someone solving some really difficult problems, whether it's relationship, whether it's, you know, someone was abused or, you know, depression or anxiety or any of those things like that is the real healing that they would do themselves. And I don't, the more I think about it, the more it's so awesome, Tess. It is. It really is. It's rewarding. Looking deeper into anything is, is, um, there's so many lessons you can see. Yeah. There's a lot of metaphors, um, that we can find within cultivating, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, like about relationships, that was interesting, you know, don't neglect yes. relationships, don't yes. neglect the mushrooms, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of, um, connections there and it is really re rewarding. Um, and you know, to look deeper into things. Absolutely. Because it, it's a mirror. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I'm big on Carl Jung. When, so when you say mirror, I'm like, oh yeah, this girl gets it. What do you think? There seems to be this relationship between psilocybin mushrooms and language. And I'm wondering if, first off, if you have noticed that particular relationship and two, what do you think that is? Um, like linguistics. Yeah. Language? Like the way you begin to explain things, or it seems like on a high dose psilocybin trip, words fail, like language begins to fail, but you can still think of concept. Like you can describe things, but you can't really explain them. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. And I think it's because, you know, language is um, made up, you know, to yeah. survive. Like it's it's necessary um, for survival. I think when you are on a higher dose, you are at loss of words because they're not necessary. Mm. you you know um i yeah language is just communication a way for us to communicate and survive and um it's funny because like you know the higher doses it's like the death yeah you know so like i do death, i guess like there are no words and you're just like solely tapped into like this other realm of consciousness and words fall away because they're not needed that it's fascinating to think. I guess that's what, my just my like input on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. What what would you consider a higher dose? What do you consider like a high dose? Um, well, I mean, it's dependent, variable for everybody. But you know, um, Terrence McKenna, you know, his uh, gauge was the five dry grams in the dark. <laughs> but yeah, around <laughs> you know five 
five grams is getting up there for sure. That'll take you to a, that'll uh, take you to the loss of words for sure. <laughs> Everybody's different and just something you got to experiment with. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have found that uh, one thing that I've been kind of zooking out on lately was this idea in which it affects you. Like, for me, it always comes in waves. And I think that that's something most people find is that like, if you take, you know, your three or your five, 12 grams, whatever you're taking, you know, all of a sudden you get this come up and then it kind of fades. And then you get this next wave and you go down this thought rabbit holes and you're experimenting this other dimension. And then it kind of fades and then it comes back stronger. And then it kind of fades. It's like a tide at the ocean coming up or at Lake, does Lake Michigan have tides? I think it does. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, and so the same way that wave comes in. But what got what what I started thinking about was why why does the trip come in waves? And I've spoken to many people about it, and the best answer I got was that. Hello, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it. <laughs>